You're listening to TSG Time with Patrick Fowler and Doug Spaulding, the show that tackles all things performance measurement in a half hour or less. You can expect interviews with industry legends and in-depth discussions with authors on topics that will be appearing in upcoming issues of the Journal of Performance Measurement. It's now time to welcome your hosts, Pat and Doug. Hello, everyone, and welcome to TSG Time. I'm Doug Spaulding. And I'm Pat Fowler. Today, we're joined by the founder and CEO of TSG, David Spaulding. David is an internationally recognized authority on investment performance measurement. He's the founder and CEO of TSG and founder and publisher of the Journal of Performance Measurement. He consults to clients throughout the world on investment performance and risk issues. In addition, he teaches classes on performance measurement and attribution and regularly conducts GIPS verifications. Dave has authored and co-authored several books, including Measuring Investment Performance, Investment Performance Attribution, The Handbook of Investment Performance, and TSG's Guide to the Performance Presentation Standards. He earned a BA in Mathematics from Temple University, an MS in Systems Management from the University of Southern California, an MBA in finance from the University of Baltimore, and a doctorate in finance and international economics from Pace University. Welcome, David. Well, hello, Douglas and Patrick. Thank you. It's great to have you with us today on our very first episode of TSG Time. It seemed appropriate to kick off our podcast with the legend, Dr. David Spaulding. We'll begin with a series of questions on your career in performance and performance measurement, and then we'll have a lightning round with some more entertaining questions. So to begin, please tell us a little about yourself that we wouldn't have, we wouldn't find in your bio. Okay. Uh, well, to begin, I appreciate you guys sent me the questions, or at least some of them in advance. So I do have some notes I'm going to refer to. I'm not going to read, but at least refer to. So I'll do this in a lightning fashion. So I'm from Philly. I'm both widowed and engaged. I'm a father and a grandfather. Uh, obviously, I like school. Um, I have no plans to retire. I love math. I'm passionate about performance. I enjoy reading, exercise, and travel. Excellent. Now, what would you say is the most challenging aspect of the performance industry? Well, today, I would say it's the SEC marketing rule um, that came out, of course, uh, went into effect in November. And um, I think there's a lot of folks struggling with that right now. So this obviously pertains to uh, any firm that is SEC registered. And it actually does have global implications because there are firms elsewhere outside the U.S. who also do business in the state. So, for example, we have a client in South Africa. They market some of their strategies in the states, so they, too, have to be sensitive to these rules. And uh, I just posted something today uh, on LinkedIn on, uh, on this. And so I, I, I would say that's the most challenging thing today. What is the biggest change you've seen in the industry in the past 30 years? Well, I would say the increased appreciation uh, for the folks that work in the industry. 
Um, we've uh, clearly the sector has grown quite a bit. It's become an industry in of itself, I would say. Uh, we have a lot more resources today available to uh, to keep people informed or educate. Um, Carl Bacon, for example, just came out with a third edition of, of one of his books. And there are others, uh, of course, I've written a few, but there are others too have written books. So those are great resources. The journal wasn't around 30 years ago. Now it's in, I guess, 26th or 27th year, something like that. Um, we have PMAR and other conferences available, the forum, the asset owner roundtable, and so on. So there are a lot of ways for people that want to be in this sector of the industry to grow, to learn, to develop. So I, I, so I think it's it's uh, sort of the two sides of that, right? One, I think it's uh, the profession is appreciated a lot more, uh, recognized for the value it brings a company uh, or an institution. And then secondly, uh, those who are in it have a lot of opportunities uh, to, to learn and grow. Great. Well, it seems like only yesterday when I walked into this very office, uh, 98, for my interview, um, you told me then you had an idea to create an institute of performance measurement um, to promote the industry, to promote performance professionals. Um, you also had the idea for a members-only think tank at that point. Um, so now we are 25 years later. And we're about to celebrate our 100th meeting of that group in April in Phoenix. So just uh, take me through uh, what you're feeling as we approach this milestone. Um, how did we get to that point, this point today? Well, um, yeah, when, when we launched it, of course, we had no idea whether it was going to fly. Uh, the journal, we've just sidetracked a little bit. The journal, we're over 25 years. And... Uh, I remember after about a year, I thought, are we going to run out of things to write about? And clearly we haven't. Uh, the forum, I'm really pleased that that's going so well. And, and obviously you you deserve a lot of credit uh, for that, um, your your role in organizing and, and growing it. I, I would like to say this was my expectation it wasn't, but I, I wasn't thinking ahead. I, I, I guess it's natural. I don't think, well, what's it going to be like 25 years from now? Um, but, uh, yeah, 100 meetings is, is pretty impressive. And you and I have been at most of them, most of them together. Yeah. And, and uh, a few I've missed or a few you've missed. But um, it has been just phenomenal. And it was... I'm sorry, it is what I was envisioning, right? When I, when we started this, my vision was it was going to be a group of people who would, who would meet regularly, who would become friends, who would enjoy interacting, and uh, who would be comfortable during the year to reach out and ask questions and so on. And we see that. And we see how at the meetings, there's a fair amount of camaraderie and, and obviously a lot of exchange of information and ideas so it's it's just been really uh, phenomenal i'm really proud of that agree agree so having held meetings in north america emea apac in over 40 cities in 24 countries do you have a favorite forum city and a maybe a favorite forum moment a favorite forum city 
I would say Honolulu. Oh, we've never gone to Honolulu. <laughs> um, geez. Um, well, Rome is up there, um, clearly. Um, and I really, I like Dublin a lot. I mean, I like all this. I mean, that's that really, for us, it's given us a chance to kind of see a lot more of Europe than most Americans uh, ever do. Uh, it would take me a while to think about all the cities in Europe we've been to. But uh, a number of them, I really, I, I thought uh, Istanbul was really interesting. Uh, so I, I think more from the Europe standpoint, what we what we saw there in the States, uh, the cities where we've been, I've been there before. I don't want to say it's not exciting because I, I also enjoy visiting cities within the States. But I would say if I had to narrow it down to one, I would say Rome. Okay. Well, sticking with that uh, kind of Europe versus North America, what would you say the difference is between the North American group and the and the EMEA group? Um, well, I'd say there are two interesting differences. One is uh, representation of females. Uh, in Europe, it's not quite at the level it is in the States. And I'll say I'm a little surprised because I think, if anything, it might be the reverse. Uh, we've seen the numbers in the states of, of women participating uh, growing quite well. And so we're not quite 50-50, but we're pretty close, I think. And uh, so that's been great over the years to see that, right? Um, in Europe, uh, it's been maybe a little bit of growth, but it's not unusual for us to have, what, 10%, 15% are women. So that I would like to see, hopefully, to see more women in Europe uh, participating in the meetings. Another difference, I think, is the group in Europe seems a bit more collegial than the group in North America. And that might be because it, maybe it's a closer-knit area, even though they're different countries. Because here it's interesting. We're talking two countries, right? Canada and the U.S. And we have a, we have a sizable representation from Canada uh, to uh, participate along with the uh, Americans. There we have a number of different countries. And yet the folks seem to know each other well. They seem to uh, really gel. They're, I think, a little bit more comfortable interacting. I remember the meeting we had with your buddy Gary a number of years ago, who used the profanity. I want to say, what profanity? And, and I was like, oh, my God, somebody, somebody cursed at a meeting. But he, he felt comfortable doing that, although he did turn and say, am I going to be kicked out now? Um, but it was, it's it's just, uh, I think it's maybe it's a little bit looser. I don't know. But 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 there definitely is a different dynamic in Europe. And I and I think if you were to ask some of the Americans that have gone to Europe, I know folks from first rate, for example, a number of them have gone over, as well as a few other people from the States that have gone to the meetings there. And if you said, you know, contrast North America and, 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 uh, and Europe, I think they would sense the same thing that I have. 
we have not had as many folks come across to the States from Europe, uh, but it would be interesting to ask them the same question. You know, when you've come over here, is there, you notice a difference? So I think I answered your question. I think you did. Great. Now you've been in the industry for a long time and I'm sure you've experienced a lot of interesting things. What would you say is the most unusual thing you've experienced in the field? Let's, I didn't really think about that. I saw the question and I and I didn't, nothing came into my mind right away. So I thought, well, we'll see what happens when I'm doing this live. Um, it's funny, I just posted some an incident I, that I uh, encountered 10 years ago at a hotel room, at a hotel, right, where I, I went out, I was going to, to the, access, uh, the fitness center and I walked out to the elevator and uh, out of the corner of my eye, I noticed that there was a woman who was half naked. And I commented about that. And I, I was obviously, you don't see this every day. It's the only time I ever saw it, which is good. And, and clearly the woman had some issues, right? And I called down the security. I, I got her a, uh, a towel so we could, she could wrap it around herself and have some privacy, I guess before folks came to help her. I know you're talking about the industry, but that's an example of something really unusual that I encountered. Within the industry unusual, that's a tough one. Um, I, I, I guess we could say perhaps the amount of disagreement about certain things uh, there are a lot of things that we we don't agree on, but in reality, I think that's okay. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Uh, Carl and I are legendary for our uh, disagreements, right, on geometric versus arithmetic attribution, his disdain for the internal rate of return versus my love for it. And I think that that, in a sense, it, it gives an indication of some of the differences we, I think it's okay that we don't always agree, and and I think there are opportunities for for further growth. Okay, um, I imagine in other industries there there are uh, similar uh, cases where there might be uh, disagreements. Right, I'm sure, but that that might be it. I, I I'm sorry that I can't come up with something really colorful. Well, I guess I did, but <laughs> from the industry standpoint, I. I really can't think of anything offhand uh, beyond what I just shared. Yeah, th that that was a unique experience, the first one that you shared. So that works. Um, in 2021, you relocated to Naples, Florida. What is it like working remotely from the Sunshine State? And do you miss your New Jersey office at all? Um, I love it here. So uh, I... I Knowing you were going to ask that question, I dressed appropriately. So I'm in a T-shirt. I'm wearing swim trunks. Um, I, I don't always dress this way, but but today I did. Um, so it's very casual. But that's true with anybody working remotely, right? When you're working from your home, you can pretty much wear whatever you want. Uh, here, uh, 
I'm almost always in short sleeves. Uh, it's 80 degrees today. I look out my window, I see a palm tree. So it's really a, it's really a wonderful place to be working out of. Uh, I'm able to be very productive. My office here is set up exactly um, like it was in New Jersey, right? So I have everything I need to function. Do I miss New Jersey? Does anyone miss New Jersey after <laughs> you left? I think the only thing I really miss about New Jersey would be interacting with, with friends, family that are there, right? So I don't get to see you guys face-to-face -face, um, as much as I know I would have in the past. I don't get to see my grandchildren uh, as, as often. Uh, but uh, I'm managing quite well. <laughs> Excellent. Um, you've published nine books and you've written over 40 articles for the Journal of Performance Measurement. You clearly love writing. Are you working on any writing projects now? Yeah, I think for me, writing is a continuous exercise. Um, I do love it, which is ironic because I hated it when I was in school, but I love it today. So I'm working on a couple articles. Um, of course, the monthly newsletter, I, I, uh, um, I'm not working on. Well, I, I actually did start the February issue, but I won't really focus as much on it for another week or so. Um, I've been working on the rewrite of my attribution book for, I think, 15 years and every once in a while I make a promise okay it's gonna be done this year and hasn't happened I think maybe I'm trying to look for perfection which is a mistake um it'll get done that's all I can say but yeah I I, I really do enjoy writing and and the and the opportunity to write articles is great I I, I even consider some of what I do on LinkedIn to be writing, because I'll put ideas out there, I'll share thoughts. I did that today, as I said, uh, something with the SEC marketing rule. So it's a great way to communicate. So I, yeah, it's, it's a continuous effort. Okay. So when I started, I didn't think there could be anything like a uh, rock and roll star performance measurement, but I think you qualify for it. You. Uh, have signed autographs. Uh, people uh, come to see you speak. Um, so it's it's been been great to see that. So um, people are inspired by by rock and roll professionals or rock rock stars. Who inspires you in the world of performance measurement? I'm not. That's an interesting question. Um. I guess there might be a variety of people in one way or another, okay? I'm inspired by people who are are continuing to contribute. So, and not necessarily in performance, but just in general, right? So like a Bill Sharp, who's in his 80s, he's still contributing. Uh, Warren Buffett, who's 92, still contributing. So I, I that inspires me when I see somebody not doing the typical thing, right? Most people, you hit 60 or 65 and you retire and pretty much stop doing whatever you were doing before. Uh, I have no plans to retire. So 
I like it when I see that I'm definitely not alone. There are a lot of folks out there who can, or I would think can retire, but uh, have have elected not to and are still making contributions. And that's what I want to do, right? I want to continue to contribute. I don't know whether you're, how, how accurate your description is. I appreciate it, but I happen to be blessed in that I am in an industry I really enjoy. I, I think a lot of people can't say that. Right? A lot of people, they pick a profession or a job and they can't wait till they do retire. I have no interest in retiring. I enjoy this too much. You mentioned community when you talked about the European group and kind of collegiality there. Uh, I think one of the one of the things that makes that group successful is you can go into a room and everyone kind of knows what you're doing. So one of the running jokes at those meetings, and I think even even in our conversations, is is does your wife know or your significant other know what you do for a living? So my wife Christina always tells people I'm in the CIA, and I know Betty used to say you do lunch. So how would you summarize performance measurement to someone looking in from the outside? Well, I. Um, I think most people know the idea of investing, right? Most people are conscious of buying stock or putting money in a mutual fund or something like that. So I start off with that. And they say, okay, you, perhaps you own stock or have money in funds. You want to know how well they're doing. That's called performance. How well are the people that are managing your money? How well are they doing? And that's performance measurement. And I'm involved in that. And I may rattle off it. We do consulting, training, publishing, research. We have membership groups. And and uh, and if if uh, if appropriate, I'll say that there's an industry standard, i.e., GIPS, and uh, and and we confirm whether firms or institutions are actually complying. Okay, but I think it's important to start off with something. They can relate to, right? Yes, you own stock or you own mutual funds. And how well are you doing or how how well is the manager doing? So that's what I do. Okay, great. Okay, on to the rapid fire lightning round. What is your favorite risk measure? <laughs> my favorite risk, well, my favorite, I mean, if we're talking in general, like risk adjusted, well, that's M squared, Modiani, Modiani. I love that. So uh, I'm just real, well, I know it's about to be fast here, but I, I had the opportunity to meet uh, Franco uh, Modiani, who passed away, I guess, about five or six years ago, who won a Nobel Prize in economics. And he, along with his granddaughter, Leah, put that together. And, and before the, I met him, I really didn't get the measure. But when we, we were chatting and talking about it, he really sold me on why it's a, why it's a very good measure. And I, I totally agree. Do you prefer Brinson Fockler or Brinson Hood Bebauer? Brinson Fockler, I think Nimrod, along with Gary, created uh, uh, the right measure, the way it evaluates uh, the allocation effect. So, yeah, Brinson Fockler. What book would you recommend everyone read? Well, you know, the, you're supposed to say now is the Bible, but uh, I'm not going to say that. Uh, I have read the Bible twice, but I, I wouldn't say that. Um, what book should you read? Um, I, I guess if I had to put a single book, I'd, I'd say uh, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. 
What's the best meal you've ever had? Oh, that's the uh, okay. The best meal. You're thinking I was going to say at um, at uh, um, Piccolo Mundo. Yeah, Piccolo Mundo in Rome. But no, actually, I would say uh, at um, in Milwaukee at Moe's Steakhouse, um, blackened tuna steak, mashed potatoes, and cream corn. I just feel that I'm in heaven. <laughs> and I've been there and eat that. So that's my that's my number one. Sounds delicious. Final question. What's one thing that you're deeply grateful for right now? One thing. If I had to pick one thing, I would say that I have a lovely woman in my life. Um, I, of course, had a wife for almost 48 years we knew each other almost 50 or not almost over 50 had a wonderful wonderful marriage and unfortunately she's not with us and uh my god i found this beautiful woman and uh so my my life is uh just just continuing on i had uh after my wife died i saw no reason to live i, I wasn't going to commit suicide i just didn't I just had no expectations that there was going to be any real joy in my life. And I've got plenty of joy now. So, and there she is. There's a picture. So <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's what I would say. Well, I'm glad you have joy, Dave. And, and we thank you for your time and thank you for all your contributions to our industry. So our goal with TSG time is to release um, one of these podcasts at least once a month, probably the second week in the month. Um, so we look forward to, to rolling those out for you. Um, and we're looking for input. Um, on who you'd like to see us interview. Um, but thank you, Dave, and uh, we'll see you next month. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to TSG Time. Remember to subscribe to the show by going to tsgperformance.com slash podcast so that you never miss an episode. And while you're there, sign up for a free subscription to the Journal of Performance Measurement. TSG is the institutionally recognized boutique performance measurement consulting and GIPS standard specialist firm serving the investment industry. Visit us at tsgperformance.com.